This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi everyone and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. In today's episode, I'll be discussing friendships, the mystery, management and magic. Friendships are strange things. In other relationships, the rules are pretty clear to most of us, but friendships can take all kinds of forms and many of the rules are concealed and often bewildering. Remember that fleeting silence or look in response to something you said? You know you've triggered your friend in some way, but for some reason they're withholding this from you and you don't know why that is either. It's frustrating, delicate and disturbing. Do you ask them? Is that disrespectful? Or is it disrespectful not to ask them? I've just celebrated a major milestone birthday this year, and my friendships have once again come into full focus for me. My close friends feel more like family than friends these days. I've been extremely lucky in the magic of friendships. Some go back to my earliest childhood and school days, others from my 30s and 40s. Let's consider childhood friendships. Our earliest friendships are often viewed with great sentiment, and yet they're completely beyond our control, and even forced upon us, as they're born entirely of our parents' proximity, where they live, and hence other children in the street, or who our parents socialise with, and these people's children, where they send us to school, it may be our siblings who dictate our friends, if they have friends with siblings our age. If we're enrolled in extra activities, then these children as well. From age six, children are very much developing social skills. So we have to make friends, and we have to make do with what's around us. The challenges of taking friendships through growth and development phases of childhood, adolescence and adult growth are enormous. So what are some of the problems we have to deal with in friendships? Well, here's the shocking truth. Research has found most friendships won't last. Psychologist Irene Levine writes about this in her book entitled Best Friends Forever, Surviving a Breakup with Your Best Friend. When we look at how friendships form and what they're up against, it's really not surprising that most won't last. Most of us know the terrible devastation and pain of losing a friendship at any age. In my experience, it can be more devastating and painful than losing a family member's relationship, especially when we're closer to them than family. Dr. Levine says it can be more painful than losing a partner. So the mystery of having friendships involves not only working to keep them, but being able to create new friends. In the last few years, natural disasters, the pandemic and endless lockdowns highlighted the importance of friendships, but also how delicate they can be. Friends were separated by geographic distance, unable to continue ritual catch-ups and activities. And what about the bubble of friendships and when the bubble bursts? There's often a honeymoon phase similar to that of romantic relationships – Humans like sentimentality, and it's like a spell of friendship has been magically bestowed or cast over us. We feel so lucky, and it is luck or serendipity, because we can never know when or where this magic can happen. But life always bursts these bubbles, and the rest of the personality is then revealed in each person. 
Friendships in the long term ebb and flow, morph and change, and we need to learn to respect the difficulties of each other, what I call the prickly bits. When these bubbles burst, people often want to go back into that bubble of naivety, of innocence, but we can never go back to what was. These problems will still exist. These difficulties are still very much there. We need to go forward. And the bubble of friendship bursts for all kinds of reasons. For instance, when we make friends before the age of 30, and even well before the age of 30, these people and ourselves are not fully formed. We can never know fully who we're dealing with. As the years go on, we may not be that conscious that we're putting up with things in our friendship or holding on to wounds and accumulating them. And then comes a time often when we no longer need the friend as much as we used to, or we reach a tipping point when they or we do something extra that just breaks that spell of friendship. For example, if we've got a friend who then goes on to work with us, that's now known as a dual relationship because there are two elements in the relationship, the friendship and the working relationship. Now, I'm not saying don't mix friendship and business. On the contrary, these are very valuable relationships, but they must be managed carefully, like all friendships, and often more carefully due to their being more involved. When these bubbles burst, pain is in proportion to our lack of understanding. And by that, I mean we need to understand why they've burst in order for the pain to resolve. Friendships fade and break due to major life changes, minor life changes. For instance, different stages of life. And one of these is when we have children or our friends have children. When one person in the friendship doesn't have children, they're typically relegated to the background or the sidelines while the children are being raised. So friends can be at the same age, but in different life stages when this happens. And it's a strange feeling of moving in different directions. There's loss and grief of those different phases of life. The grief in not having children or not having a career and not having children, whether by choice or misfortune. Some friendships continue during these times and some don't. I've found in my friendships where children were involved for my friends, sometimes if I was close to the child, it seemed to help the friendship last. In other cases, I wasn't and it didn't seem to matter. There's another magic glue that kept us close, where we felt like family anyway. Another big change that impacts friendships is romantic relationships and marriage in particular. The friendship has to accommodate, has to make way for these significant relationships to be part of the whole picture between the friends. When bubbles burst of friendship, shame is a significant part of the process. And this is because, as Dr. Levine explains, little girls are very much socialised to keep their friends close and to be nice, and that way you'll keep your friendships. But of course, we know that for all these other reasons and more, friendships don't last, and most don't. So when a friendship fails for a girl or a woman, there's typically shame involved because the girl or woman tends to feel it's their fault. This is partly a gender difference anyway, that women tend to take more responsibility for things going wrong. We know that making new friends as adults can be harder too. And this is partly because friendship requires us to disclose information, to share deep information about ourselves. And this is in an ongoing friendship is to deepen it. 
By adulthood, many people are so adverse to this deep disclosure. They prefer to be disclosing information of that depth and sensitivity to a therapist. And research has shown that men typically find this even harder as they get older to be vulnerable to disclose and they feel socially judged and the stigma socially. And hence men have fewer close friends than females generally. So what about the research on friendships in general? Well, way back in ancient Greece, the great philosopher Aristotle wrote that there are three types of friendship. One is utility, meaning fit for a purpose or useful. These are ones who live close by, who are convenient, who are useful to socialise with, who we grow up with as children, who we work with, who are neighbours and become friends to us as adults. The second type is what Aristotle called sensual pleasure friends. You share the love of going dancing, sailing, cooking, bushwalking. Think of your friends who you have that in common with. And based on these pleasurable, exciting, or even daunting activities, you have a friendship. And then he said the most important type of friendship is friends of virtue, which means this friendship displays behaviour of high moral standards. These are the most intriguing and magical friendships. Aristotle called these friends another self, and that's similar to our idea of a close friend or a best friend. There's a deep bond and feeling of responsibility for each other and for our progress in life, despite any real or external reason for responsibility. It's consistent and genuine, and to me, these are the friends who feel like family. In my experience, it's also possible to experience a combination or a development in the friendship from, say, the sensual pleasure friendship to the virtual friendship. I see this in one of my close friendships where, as young teens, we were close due to our love of sailing, which we were enjoying together definitely weekly, sometimes more often, which we still do. But we've also developed an abiding, virtuous friendship that's many decades old now, and we definitely feel like family. Researchers from various fields have posed different reasons for this friendship connection. Recent research on brainwaves shows a synchronicity between these people. As a clinical hypnotherapist, I place much weight on synchronicity and humour because these are indicators of the nature of the subconscious mind. So when these are in common between people, there is much in common because the subconscious mind is 95% of our minds. There's an instant sense of being at ease, of familiarity, a kinship. Stanford University professor Laura Carstensons calls this unconditional positive regard. We feel like our best selves when we're with these people. One of my close female friends will usually respond to anything I say I've been doing with a genuinely enthusiastic, that's so good, no matter whether it's small or big. But that doesn't mean close friends just tell us what we want to hear. So what does the magic look like when it happens? I think of one of my lifelong friends who just threw me a 60th birthday party. She started at school in year seven at my school when I had already settled in the year earlier. She says I was kind to her. I remember her being a kind person too. To this day, there is much kindness and love and a very similar sense of humour. These are personality traits and values that have carried us through millions of differences, diverse life choices and experiences. 
A key element I look back on was our choice and interest in building a friendship as pen pals in school holidays, beyond the school context, because we lived far away from each other. So beyond our geographical context, we had no other reason or way to connect with each other other than school. We both had other close friends, and still do, with these people who lived close to each of us geographically, and they were easy to hang out with, but we also made the effort to stay in touch on long school holidays, sharing information about our lives, activities and feelings with each other, building the connection and trust. Then we happened to go to the same university and study some of the same subjects, which I now see showed our genuine similarity whereas many of our other close friends studied at different institutions, showing their genuine difference to us. We took some holidays together and liked hanging out in nature, walking, cups of tea, and talking. By 19 years of age, I was far closer to her than to my biological sisters, and I still am. And what about family friendships? Most of us assume we will like our siblings as adults, and that we'll be close friends. Sadly, many adults now know that's not a given. Most parents also assume or hope they will like their children and be friends with their adult children, but again, that's not a given either. This is part of the mystery and magic of friendship, the uncontrollable nature of close friendships. Many of us have friends for different reasons. For instance, shared work and career interests and needs. Knowing this takes the pressure off any one friendship to fulfil all or even many of our needs, and during the times it's strained for whatever reason, there are other friends. Evolutionary and other theorists have long studied not only the benefits, but our necessity for social alliances in order to survive and thrive. As I cited research in my first book from over 20 years ago, psychology has always found we do better in life with a good support group that we lean on. It helps us to survive and thrive. Recent studies focusing just on friendships reinforces this. A lack of friends and loneliness is as much a risk factor to our health as drug and alcohol addictions. Professor Robert Waldinger at Harvard University is directing a longitudinal study and says good relationships keep us happier and healthier and are better predictors of long and happy lives than social class, IQ or even genes. So what are some of the tips and solutions for friendships and problems? All relationships require work. It's not enough to tell your friend you love them. We need to show them and be shown this love in return. Focusing on what's important to them, even if we don't share that interest, even if we don't have those things in our lives. For instance, children. If their children are important and yet children are not important to us, it's important to them, therefore it's important to the friendship. Always having a sense of whether the friendship seems equal. This is something we unconsciously or subconsciously do anyway. It's called exchange theory. In psychology, we're watching, we're noticing the exchange of energy between the two of us. We're seeking to balance it so that if a favor is done to us, we're always waiting and watching for when we can return the favor. We're noticing too if we feel drained and therefore maybe pulling back just to allow the natural ebb and flow of the friendship to restore more balance. 
We notice when friends want to pull us back into sentiment or things that we've long since left or need to leave behind. And just, again, pushing back on that and resisting it is important for the health of the friendship. Friends get a sense of us doing this. The longer we are friends, the more this intuition plays out. If we're going to keep growing and developing as adults, we will say goodbye to a lot of people or old ways of being. For instance, a very close friend might eventually become more distant, detached or superficial as a friendship. It's not necessarily a bad thing as we need to keep individuating, growing, developing. Like most things in life, if we're grateful and value the friendship for what it can give us, we're more likely to keep it. If we're aware that all friendships and people have limitations, including ourselves, and look out for these limits between both of us early on and accept and stay mindful of them, for instance, political differences, religious differences, educational views, different sporting interests, then we're more likely to keep the friendship. Like any other close relationship, trust is the key. It's a foundational element. I can trust my closest friends to be honest with me and to volunteer negative feedback to me as needed, as I do to them. And we have each other's backs in the good and the bad times, with praise and constructive criticism. For if not there, where else in life are we going to find this constructive criticism? It's much safer to do this with our friends. Giving space or oxygen to the friendships is really important. The more challenges we have, the more oxygen we need. It doesn't mean we avoid things. It means we respect differences, give time and space to resolve differences, or to allow them to settle into a space of respect that's mutual respect. We have to be okay with holding space for the friendship and that it might end, and we need to be able to be okay with that. There are many times in some of my closest, longest friendships where I have had to face the reality that something may end the friendship, a certain challenge that we've both come up against, and I've had to sit with that discomfort, that pain, that potential grief, and be okay with it. And that seems to be part of the reason why they succeed. With dual relationships, we need to navigate these carefully. If we work together, we may have a competitive element. We need to respect and accept the limitations. Trying to compartmentalise as much as possible when we talk about work and when we're just being friends. And then the early warning signs in these dual relationships, particularly doing business with a friend or getting too close to friends at work, when warning signs start to appear. This may seem counterintuitive because we think we should be able to trust our friends more than other people, but business is business. As soon as the chips are down, there's usually hurt feelings in the friendship side. When changes happen, it's important to try again to move forward and see if we can move forward with the new information or the new situation. And sometimes not talking about this, giving it time and space for each of us to process what's gone on, is actually more sensitive and more respectful. I was once in a situation with a friend where we were excitedly talking about doing some business together and starting to set up the process. And then as the business chat kicked in, I felt a sudden kick in my guts, unable to speak to my friend for the sheer pain of what was going on, I spoke to a peer psychologist who said, they've done nothing wrong, Amanda. They're doing business. 
but if it's a problem for you now, it will end the friendship. Again, pain is in proportion to a lack of understanding. As I understood that one way of thinking is business, the other is friendship, and the two would have to find a fit that I couldn't make happen, it was easier and better to let it go. The business side, that is, not the friendship. For those who are thinking, why don't I have a best friend or close friends? Where are my people? It can be very difficult to make friends as adults. As much as we can try to make friends and succeed in many ways, the deep, close, real or authentic friendships can't be fabricated. It's similar to finding a romantic partner. If the magic hasn't just happened to you, it's yet to come. And there are times in most of our lives where people are also recovering from psychological problems. In these times, as I said in my first book, it's like being in a desert. There seem to be no friends. And yet the desert is part of clarity and is said to be a very fine place where you see very clearly as you're working through psychological problems, developing and recovering, usually from childhood problems. And so maybe that journey might need to be taken before the authentic friends emerge. Because maybe we're not in the right place in our lives just yet for that magic to happen. Making friends as adults also comes through shared interests and hobbies, and often moving on into these interests and hobbies that are genuine for us is when that magic happens. We often meet friends as adults through our children, sharing the trials and tribulations with other parents, through neighbours, People, again, we have a lot in common with. Through our careers and jobs, some of my closest friends are psychologists, met in adulthood, at university, or through peer and collegial interactions. Keep an eye out for new friends, new friendships that fulfil our new needs. And again, we will often meet these new friends through new life interests, new values, new endeavours, like new hobbies, areas of study or work. And just as magical as it is when friendships form and then some end disastrously, it can magically come back. But if we forget the reasons and lessons learnt at the breakup, we do this at our own peril. In life, going backwards never seems to work. We are best to go forwards. If a friendship is to be reignited successfully, it must come on new terms. We must remain aware of the limitations we discovered before and see this new friendship for what it can be and can't be moving forward. Remember, the mystery of having friendships involves not only working to keep them, but being able to create new friends. Finally, remember to be your own close friend too. While we may get many of our needs met from our friends, they won't always be available. And this allows the all-important, yet often undervalued or unrecognised space that's required in long-term close friendships. The ultimate best friendship and the one guaranteed to last a lifetime, no matter what the challenges are, is yours with you. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.